Welcome to a special Salt and Light Hour segment. Uh, I'm Deacon Pedro, and I want to talk to you about this uh, film that everyone's talking about, Netflix production, The Two Popes. It's a film by Brazilian director Fernando Meireles, and it's written by New Zealand, uh, a New Zealand uh, author, Anthony McCartan, who also wrote... Uh, the script for Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the film is an adaptation from McCartan's 2017 play, The Pope. Um, I'm sure you may have heard good things, bad things, controversies about the film. And I thought that it, the best way to figure it out here for our Salt and Light Hour uh, fanatics is to invite our film expert, Sister Marie Paul Curley, to tell us her take. Marie-Paul, I'm so excited that you uh, are able to uh, give us your windows to the soul to this film. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. I was delighted to actually uh, to, to see it. And also, I'm also delighted that it's gotten quite a bit of interest uh-huh. um, in both secular and religious circles, because it shows how important um, we still believe the popes are to the, you know, that the pope is and the church is even in popular culture. Yeah, it's so, true. I remember when, when, when we heard that the film was being made or that it was coming out, and this one would have been in, in late the late summer or September that we heard mm-hmm. about it, and, and everybody yeah. was saying, you know, like, why is Hollywood so fascinated by the papacy? So so, so I, I think that you're so, uh, so right to say that, that there's a fascination there. I don't know if it's because it's so secret or mysterious or, or what, but anyway, it puts the church in popular culture, so I guess that's a good thing. That's one plus. That is definitely a plus for this film. And in many ways, it's a tribute, I think, to, or a tribute to Pope Francis. Uh-huh. Um, yes. I, I, but I really want to start by saying this film is a strange mix of fact and fiction okay, yeah. that centers around an imaginary encounter yes. <laughs> that takes place you know, between the soon-to-be Pope Francis and Pope Benedict XVI yes. just before he announces his retirement. So that's... Yeah. It's fictional, it's, yes. It's, it's really fictional. The central events are all fictional, mm-hmm. but it's set in a real situation that really happened, and they pull footage of Pope St. John Paul's actual funeral. Yeah. They had news anchors that I recognize. Yeah, you know, I know. So they set it inside real, fic- real, real fact, and I think that's a little bit confusing. Can, um, can I just interrupt you there? Film. Yeah. Sorry, can I just interrupt you there? Because that, or, or, I think that that's for me the the main problem with it. Because because it looks like it's factual, and obviously it's not. Those of us that know that that meeting between Cardinal Bergoglio and Pope Benedict never those meetings never happened. Um, but but isn't that something that film filmmakers do? Like I, I keep trying to rack my head. Maybe sister, you you are more familiar with other films like I don't know historical films that we kind of accept that they're mostly factual, but, but they're dramatized. Uh, sorry. Uh, there, there's what, what can we call it? The, the d- dramatic freedom or artistic uh, freedom, dramatic choices that yeah. filmmakers make. You don't think that this is the same? I don't. And uh, because, it, because of a couple of reasons, uh, it does compare, you know, with a recent film that I saw, Stan and Ollie, uh-huh. which talks about the great comedians, um, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy uh-huh, and yeah. basically the film is about what happened on their tour of Europe which nobody really knows what happened between the two of them right. they had had a falling out to some extent and the film portrays it as a kind of you see a bit of the falling out and then you see them 
trying to work through it later in their lives, uh, in their last time together. And it's, but both figures have passed away. Yeah. Um, and there's the, the, yes. there's time that has passed and it's clearly imaginary, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of it doesn't mix it. I mean, it gives you the starting and then it takes off and it's imaginary. This film is different. Um, Pope Benedict, it, you know, our Pope Emeritus is still alive. Yeah. And because the film doesn't treat the two popes evenly, and I'll give you some good examples mm-hmm. of that, because it doesn't treat both popes evenly, it, then it it's not really the two popes. It's really a tribute, an attempted tribute, I think, to Pope uh, Francis. Yes. And the p- portrayal of Pope Benedict is very shallow. Yeah, it's and a caricature. And it rings quite false. To those of us who know him, yes, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I know of him. Yeah. I know his, you know, yeah. the, the way he seems to interact with people. This is not matched by the great actor Sir Anthony Hopkins' performance. It, yeah. it just it doesn't sync up. It's not true to life. It didn't yeah. ring true. Yeah, it's almost like and, uh, yeah. Sorry, it's almost like Anthony Hopkins did not really do his research because had he done it, he would have portrayed the character not so much as a caricature, more three dimensional. Yeah, Yes, I you know I agree with that, and I, I I would just jump in to say his performance is is really great. If you're looking for the transformation of a and mm. pardon the informal language here, but a cranky old man, yeah, who's got something that he needs to work through and is able to be transformed by one encounter with um with with a great churchman. I mean, if you if you look at it from that perspective, his performance is quite is quite solid. It's really it, it's good. But I think but he was following the script and so possibly a, the direction. Yeah. So and yeah. and instead of portraying a real, so I I really fault the script, which I mm-hmm. know it got an Oscar nomination. But as a, as a screenwriter, I mean, I've never been produced in Hollywood, but mm-hmm. I, I, for the little writing that I have done for the screen and the screenwriting that I've studied, um, it just it's not a very strong script, and the lack of research about Anthony Hopkins. And the superficiality of its treatment of him is of, so of unfair Pope Benedict, to somebody yeah. who's still alive. Of Pope Benedict. Um, I, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, so I hope that you're keeping track of where you want to go, because I'm just going to keep... Because I thought my initial response, and I'm looking at it as a as a performer, uh, someone that has a theater background, I thought that it's actually a good script, because I thought that the dialogue is well-written. I mean, it's written like people mm. really... Talk, you know, like I, I thought... It, and there was an attempt, an attempt to make these characters three-dimensional, um, and you alluded to that in terms of the transformation between where the character starts and the character ends. So in that sense, I thought it was a good script. But in terms of, okay. you're right, in terms of the research and the, the, the responsibility that I think a script should have to, to facts and to who real people are, in that sense, maybe it's not. Is that... Would you agree, or you still don't think it's a good I, script? Yeah, no, I, I can see what you're saying about the script having some strength to it. Yeah. I think that, uh, and, and yeah, from an actor's perspective, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I would disagree with the sense that it's a strong script because the the script would have been much stronger to treat the popes evenly, making them yeah, equal in strength. Yeah, so, that's true. I mean, but they even do a disservice to Pope Francis. Um, I was going to ask you. Just to start with, with Pope Benedict, I mean, it's very clear during, even when St. John Paul was still Pope, uh, you know, Cardinal Ratzinger, you know, the future Pope Benedict, asked to retire several yes. times. Yeah, he did not want He would to not have sought the papacy. Yeah, he was not you know, lobbying. He, that, that would not have been, he was not looking for more responsibility at yeah. that point. Yeah, you know? I know. Um, 
and and so just that is, I mean, because it makes him look power hungry or grasping or thinking that he's mm-hmm. the only one who's right. Mm-hmm. And that's really not who Pope Benedict is. He's got he's a, a he's got a great intellect. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. got a clarity of thought that's amazing. And that's why I felt like the dialogue lacked so much nuance right. because even their initial conversation in this imaginary meeting that they have, what do they talk about? They talk about the few topics. That, that the are, secular yes. media always assume yes. that church leaders are talking about, and yet, yeah, both true. Pope Benedict and Pope Francis have spoken as popes about what are the most important, you know, issues of our time, and it's and it's not I'm those. Sorry, it's, yeah. it's not about the ordination of of you know of uh, married yeah. clergy. Like that's that's a pastoral question that's come up just lately. So yeah. that. It, that was strong, but also um, the fact that they don't bother to do any flashbacks. Of, On Benedict, you know, yes. Right, because that's yes. the way we build sympathy for a yeah. character, and and it's not done. It's it, But but Cardinal Bergoglio has two, and that's why I feel yeah. like the film is really a tribute to Pope Francis's um, his, his spirituality of encounter, because mm-hmm. I think the, the spirituality of encounter comes out very strongly, mm-hmm. and also it kind of makes Pope Benedict look a bit like a straw man, like easy to knock down so that mm-hmm. Pope Francis looks better. Do you um, think, and that's yeah. a disservice to the real Pope Francis as yeah. well. I don't think he would have scoffed at cultural things that Pope Benedict would have found precious, if indeed those were true details in the film. I don't know. Um, because yeah. we also see Pope Francis, you know, as a cardinal um, or, uh, you know, appreciating the aspects of his Argentinian culture. Yeah. You know, both are valuable. Both are precious. Both yeah. are things that the popes bring, you know, to their understanding of the church and their experience yeah. of the church in their own country. So, right. you know, and to say positively about the film, the production values are quite high mm-hmm. in terms of the shooting. The close-up camera work makes it very intimate. I didn't know if the Sistine Chapel was real or not. Uh, I mean, like, yes. I had to look that up. I was yeah, really impressed it, they revealed with the level it. of yes. detail yeah. that they had. So, um, and the acting, you know, for both, I think both performers do a good job given what the material they were to work with. But my problem with the film is that it promotes stereotypes of the church yes. and of actually of both popes. Yes. Um, if you... If you take that dialogue out of the mouths of those two real people and put it in another situation, mm-hmm. I would have been like, this is a really cool movie because it's bringing about communion between two people with strong convictions. Interesting. At, who share, but who share a common love for Christ and the church Interesting. and want the best for the world and for the people of God. And so they're huh. willing to overcome any differences they have right. to work together. Yeah. So that pointing to that path of reconciliation of is a very powerful, positive point in the film. It's just, uh, it's problematic in how it's set. Interesting. Um, Did you... Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, it's very interesting. Did you find that even though we learn more about the character of Cardinal Bergoglio because of the flashbacks and because we get a that his character is still also a little caricaturized because it's because there are clear biases that the filmmakers have and and I and I should say that I think it's 
uh, virtually impossible to make a film that's not biased because we all everybody has a point of view. As a filmmaker, we have points of views. So so obviously that there's a bias, but but that the biases are so specific. Like you said, that it that it promotes stereotypes about the church. About uh, maybe we say you know that the 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 conservatives versus the liberals. The you know the the hip in touch with the people liberal cardinal bergoglio as opposed to the conservative out of touch aging benedict yes. like yeah. those are I, not neither of those are true i agree i agree and there's little touches in the in the in the film uh you know of of little things that are done that i was like that does a disservice to pope francis as well uh-huh. you know even though i do feel that overall i think I think the filmmaker perhaps intended it to be a tribute to Pope Francis. I mean, I've yeah, done a I little so. reading of, and I, I'm not comfortable so. quoting the filmmakers themselves, but it seems like that is the bias I of the film so. and 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 what they were intending to do. And in some ways that's beautiful because Pope Francis has a lot of appeal for a lot of people today, and I think that's wonderful. The Holy Spirit gives us the Pope that we need, yeah. but we also needed a we also needed a Pope Benedict, and we needed his clarity of thought, and we needed his brilliance and his pastoral heart and his decisive pastoral action in you know in beginning to deep to to uh, really intensify the church's reaction to the clergy's sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Like we've needed all of that from Pope Benedict, yeah. as well as we need Pope Francis. Today. Do you think? So, uh, uh, sorry, uh, maybe there's for people who have not seen it. Maybe there's a little bit of a spoiler here, so I, I, I'm a little mm-hmm. uh, hesitant there. But at the end of the movie, there's the the big, I guess, climactic moment of where they where they uh, offer each other the sacrament of confession, and and there's some. Uh, it's, it's implied we don't know what Pope Benedict's confession is, but it's implied that he was involved in the cover up of the uh, Marcial Maciel uh, affair. And I, and I know yes, that that's not the case. Um, yeah, but not do you the think case that, like, for He's me, that's more like like you were talking about how it's fiction? To me, this is almost almost you know libelous. You know, it's it's and, almost because yeah. it's really not yeah. true. I agree. I agree. I think there is. I think if <laughs> if Pope Benedict, well, you know, was so inclined, he could really take these filmmakers. You think that. so? Yeah, and justifiably so. I don't think it's there. Um, what what the film um, portrays him as at all? Yeah, interesting. Um, and and it and it talks about. I mean, I think the fact that I found the performance of Anthony Hopkins, who is a great actor, mm-hmm. but that I found his performance superficial, mm-hmm. has more to do with the material that he was given to work with. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's superficial in the sense of. And it, but both of these are great churchmen, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who are very holy and who have dealt with many, many obstacles yeah. in their service and commitment to, to Christ and to the world. I mean, they're here to, to, to help the world, yeah. you know, discover what is best. Yeah. And, and, and so it's really, in, in some ways, a disservice yeah. to both. And, and despite but what, sorry, I was going to say, to add to that, that despite what some people might think, these two great churchmen probably agree on most church issues so this idea that that they disagree on you know like the whole uh, thing that's happening right now with with the 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 priestly celibacy book that was co-authored or not co-authored by pope benedict um and and then how it's pitted against this pope francis who is you know trying to make the church better by ordaining marriage like those they probably both agree that celibacy is a great gift to the church and they probably both agree that there is room for the married priesthood because there's room for both 
it was Benedict that allowed for the Anglican communion to be part of the Catholic Church, and all those priests are married. And Francis has said that celibacy is a great gift and that he would rather, I think he quoted Pope Paul VI in saying that yeah. he'd rather die than ordain married men. So, so, but people don't know that. So here's my, my, my I don't, and I'll let you, I mean, of course, I want you to say everything you need to say. Um, but I do have a question because do you think that it's a, as a filmmaker, is it a problem? What responsibility do we have in terms of fiction versus non-factual, like presenting non I don't want to call it fake news because a, a movie cannot be fake news because it's fiction, it's drama, and it's. But do, if people if people accept it as fact, and it 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 has the same. In, it, it's not intentional, but if it's going to have the same effect, what's the difference, and is that a danger? Yes, I mean that, that's a it's a big question about drama in general. Anytime you're taking a true to life story, so yes, I think there is a real big, a huge responsibility of the filmmakers to make the the portrayals as genuine and authentic as possible, while still respecting of course, the conventions of the medium that you're working mm-hmm. with. So heightening conflict between right. between the two, I don't think that would have been a problem. My problem was, was how they heightened the mm-hmm. conflict. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and doing it in ways, instead of being a really complex mm-hmm. look at the church and, and at these two really great men and great churchmen and, and wonderful popes, um, it's the poor because it's oversimplified. It's it's stereotypical. It's shallow. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't do yeah. what it could have done. So, in terms of ethics, they have to adapt it to the film medium, of course. Just like yeah. any, yeah. you know, you have to, you know, a film is not a book. A, you know, um, mm-hmm. a novel is not a, a, a documentary film. Like there, there definitely are conventions to follow. But because they use, they made an effort to make it to really mix the fact and fiction. Again, the, the use of the footage, the mixing of that the real footage with, with yeah. you know, even how they framed it. Uh, I really had big problems with this film. And I think that, I do think it's it's not, it doesn't serve, um, it doesn't serve, the, I think it would have served the film better to be more authentic. Yeah. Um, should people watch it? Yeah, I would Do you say think, there's an ethical issue here. Would you recommend that Catholics should watch it? You know, I think I think that Catholics who are well informed uh, might do what I did, which is they go online afterwards and find a yeah. couple of oh, is this was this thing a fact yeah. or not? You know, yes. I mean, I knew most of it, but there was yeah. some a few details like. Did they get into the Vatican to film the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Like, how on earth did they do that? Nobody films inside the Sistine Chapel, yeah. you know. Um, and they didn't. It was a brilliant set, you know. So mm-hmm. I think well-informed Catholics could find it an interesting portrayal and could have the background they need to be able to sort through it or to at least approach it with a bit of skepticism. Um, I think the danger is that it does reinforce stereotypes Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest, you know, I know a couple people that actually just walked out of it because they thought it was really? boring because it really? was all dialogue. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's like a play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a stage There's play. There's no car chases. No car chases. Sorry? There's no car chases. No car chases. <laughs> That's right. No car chases. Um, and, and a lower, you know, 
so I think that, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say go see this film at all costs, but if you want to get an understanding of how maybe the secular media approaches the church hmm. and kind of reflect on that, I think it could be a helpful tool to do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really, I'm not saying go and see this po- this movie, it's so brilliant. I have another movie that I'd like to say, oh, go and see this okay. movie, it's so brilliant. Okay. You know? um, <laughs> um, and we can digress into that, but, um, but I think it's, it's a problematic film okay. that has some value, especially, you know, Especially in our society, in our society today, that focuses on extremism, even to some extent, voices in the church can be a bit extreme, mm-hmm. or can be very extreme, and seem to be intolerant of those who hold opposite opinions and points mm-hmm. of view, or cherish different values as more important in the church. For those, you know, it does. If if you can get past the inaccurate portrayals and the and the, you know the false, really, it's a a couple of falsehoods in the film. Mm-hmm. I think the two popes just point to the the importance of encounter with mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. to be reconciled, and to be able to work together, even when we have big differences. That uh, you know, extremism isn't the answer, and the power of the sacrament of reconciliation mm. to help us grow, to be mm-hmm. humble enough to admit our faults, and to help us grow. So there is a value to the film. Um, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm mixed. I think some people might enjoy it, and some people would walk out yeah, of it. And, yeah, I enjoyed you know. it. I enjoyed it, but I'm I'm looking at it knowing what was you know mostly I, I'm I'm aware of what was factual and what was not. Um, but that's good. That is a windows to the soul to the film. At least one, two, two windows to the soul. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was this was it was fun to talk about. I will say that, and it's it's it's. It's great to be able to take a more thoughtful approach to two films like this, you know, because that helps us to like unearth the values that are there, take what's good and just leave aside what's not so helpful to us. Yeah, and I think that's that that's a good that is a good approach, and and we should take that approach with any film. You know, we don't take everything that we see in the media as truth; we go find truth elsewhere. Um, and now I'm curious to know what other film you want us to go watch. But maybe I sh- we should leave people in suspense and save it for the next time you're on the Salt and Light Hour in February. What do you want? Do, what do you, you want to do that? Okay, I'm, so, I'm <laughs> suspense. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna leave it there. Um, this has been uh, uh, a lot of fun, and 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 I'm glad that uh, you were able to open up open up the window to the soul of this movie. Um, and maybe people can uh, write to us and tell us what they thought uh, about the two popes. Um, thank you, Sister Marie Paul. We'll uh, talk to you thank in February. Thank you, to Deacon Pedro. There you go, Sister Marie Paul Curley. She is uh, one of our contributors on the Salt and Light Hour. She's on that program uh, giving us windows to the soul to various movies once a month. So if you want to hear all her segments in the Salt and Light Hour, you can uh, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio and look up all the programs that she has been on and listen to all the wonderful things she has to say about all these great movies. Um, and also, you can also listen to all our programs. They're all archived there at that site, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And if you want to read Sister Marie Paul's blog, you can go to her blog at windows windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. <laughs>